Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Stay tuned. Same three-week, actually seven-week series with the third week with Jesus as he is. We're going through the four names of... We're going through the seven seven I Am names of Jesus as he appears in uh, the book of John. And... As he appears in the book of John, and this is Jesus beginning to explain who he is and unpack the I am statements that God made in the Old Testament to the children of Israel. So our first week was, I am the good shepherd. Our second week is, I am the light of the world. And this week is Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Now, this is the first week of fall. Bread is pretty important to the first week of fall. I think the first day we made uh, banana bread, pumpkin bread, just all the breads. Does anybody like bread and soup uh, now that fall has begun? It's like you can all, it's like as soon as it gets cold, you can taste the turkey. It's like, yeah, okay. Let's get it popping. Food is super important to us as a people and as a community, um, but it's very important to us as humans who need it to survive. But why did Jesus choose to use this metaphor saying that I am the bread of life? He is comparing himself to something that is an essence, essential part of us um, that we have in life. So we're going to be in chapter 6, and this feels like a discourse, chapter 6 in John, this feels very much like a discourse on bread. Jesus is just talking about bread all the way through it, and the point that we're at now is Jesus had just multiplied uh, two fishes and five barley loaves, and when he did this, he was in a place called Bethsaida, which is to the east of the Sea of Galilee. So the east of the Sea of Galilee was known as the Gentile portion side of the lake. And the west side was known as the Jewish side. Jesus' center for ministry was in Capernaum, which is on the west side. And so he was on the east side, and he had multiplied his food. They were in a deserted sort of place, and so there wasn't a lot of food readily available. So people were like, man, this dude has got the dopest food truck we've ever experienced. So we need to follow him. And so in the portions right before our scripture begins, uh, we're going to be in uh, John 6 and 35 to 39. And right before that, that part begins, Jesus he multiplies the food and he goes up on a mountain to pray and sends his disciples across the lake on a boat. And of course, we know the storm arises and here comes Jesus, cool as a cucumber walking on the sea. This is a portion in Matthew when Peter steps out on the water. John doesn't talk about that part, but it's the same um, trip. They go, of course, Jesus gets in the boat, and immediately they're transported to the other side of the lake. They're about halfway through their journey, but they make it to the other side of the lake immediately once Jesus gets in the boat. That'll catch all by 
outside the lake, and then people are beginning to gather in boats to follow Jesus. Why? Not because he's the Messiah, but because somehow he brought food out of nothing in the desert. And they're hungry. So people are coming from boats from the south and the north, and they're just, we didn't see you get on the boat, Jesus. How did you get to this other side of the lake? And he's telling them continually that I have something that you know not about. And so this is how Jesus answers them when they tell him, how did you get over here? And Jesus knows that they just want to eat. <laughs> they just want to fish fry, basically. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Father, I just thank you for this word. Open hearts to receive today. I thank you for that, Father. So are you hungry is the question. Because before we can have anything filled or sustain us, we got to know, are we hungry? Typically, we're all hungry and filling it with something, whether it is just entertainment we need, whether it's actual food that we need, whether it's companionship that we need. We are all hungry and filling it with something. But are we hungry for the bread that doesn't leave us hungry again? The character of food, the character of hair, the character of grass, the character of all the things that wither away is that they need to be filled again. Hair needs to be cut again. Grass needs to be cut again. It's a never-ending cycle of needing our work and needing our efforts. But what about the bread of life that fills us and we're never empty? Actually, when we feed ourselves on a bread that brings life, we are more hungry for God and more hungry for His presence. So I say, are you hungry? And what you are filling it with, it becomes an important question. Jesus will make sure that we get what we need. But we have to decide what we really want. Because of free will, we get to decide how much or how little of God we want. How do we look in scripture? How do we look hear about people in the world, these missionaries who leave everything and go into the darkest places and have all this faith that God is going to show up and transform people and do all these things? And how do we have faith like that? It's that we have sometimes big problems in a small God. And others have a big God and small problems. That there is nothing that he cannot do for us or open for us because of hunger. We all get the same payment. We get the same grace. We get the same love. How that manifests in our life is directly connected to the hunger that we have for Jesus. There's so many examples of people who are hungry for him and Jesus says, oh, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, even among my disciples. This faith is wonderful. It's moving me to heal someone. And so Jesus 
All those who are hungry are following him, but they don't know anything about the spiritual food that he has. All they know is that they are in an arid, deserted place and they need to eat. I don't think they even knew that it was multiplied. I don't think they knew it was multiplied. I think they just knew it was a meal with this guy. And so they followed him wherever he went. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. You're going to be hungry again because you're following me again because you're still hungry. But let me tell you about this food. People were looking for stuff, but not the Savior. Settling for provision and not the provider. Settling for bread and not the bread of life. Settling for sustenance and not the sustainer. Settling for the meal and not the Messiah. Remember we talked about how this is actually the series is about us having an encounter with somebody that maybe we're meeting for the first time or we haven't seen in a long time. We see them from afar off. We can hear their voice. The voice of the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. Then the next thing that would happen, they would come a little closer. We can see the countenance of their face. The light of the world. Faith is actually present in Hebrew. And the next thing that would happen is we would begin to see Jesus in his hand. What's in his hand but the bread that is himself. He's giving to us. That he's sacrificing all for us. How are we unable to sacrifice for him? After we see all that he's done and all that he presents to us without any expectation of giving anything back. It's almost as if he says, they're going to be so enamored by this love that I know, I know they're going to respond in love back to me. The power of God that exists and rests in each one of us. And then he says in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That when we come to him, he sends us filled and not empty whatsoever. We're going to always have to go back to the Netflix queue. We're going to always have to go back to the fridge or all the, you know, whatever you prefer. Jewel, Mariano's. We're going to always keep, it's crazy how you just find yourself back in the store every week. <laughs> it's like, I was just here. What happened? <laughs> feeling the continual feeling that Jesus you go to once and continue to walk with him and he truly feels every bit of us. But the problem is Jesus being a bread and understanding that we are people who are broken. We are a broken people as this time has shown us. As much as we try to avoid it, as much as we try to go a different way and avoid the pain of lockdown and avoid the pain of considering uh, over considering every time we hang out with somebody, we are a broken people. I heard somebody say once that God does not use you until he breaks you. And I heard that I was like, oh, I don't like that one. I'm too optimistic for that. <laughs> but I get the spiritual principle in it. That without Jesus, 
Breaking just looks like destruction. But with Jesus, you know what it looks like? Multiplication. The church in general is in a place where it can feel weak and it can feel like, oh, we've just been through so much, we're so broken. How did the church rise from these sort of situations? How? Why? Because the brokenness brings multiplication. I was once convinced that there was no way I thought I was being used by the Lord. And then the Lord said, ah, you're going to have to go through something right now. I had to go through, we had to go through shutting down the church. I had to go through this next week losing my sister and beginning to try to find my way through grief. And hearing God say in the midst of it, I'm going to use this. You are stronger than you understand or you know. And to be honest, I didn't feel the same way before the Lord. I didn't feel I could present to him a sacrifice as I needed to. But this is why we are not to avoid pain in this life. Because <laughs> it is crazy. With Jesus in Matthew 4 is at this mountaintop experience. You know, he's like experiencing the clouds open. You know, talk about a good Sunday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the clouds open, God's voice comes down, a dove descends on him. It's like that. You know, <laughs> like a dove descends on him, and God says, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. A, he had an amazing Sunday. And then on Monday, the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert. Where he has to deal with the devil. He's like, what did I do, man? It's just a party. We wonder sometimes why our discouragement comes right on the heels of our encouragement. You know why? Because this is the first time that the enemy is hearing who you are too. It's not just happenstance. He doesn't know who you are until someone speaks a word over you, until something sinks inside of you, until you begin to rise into who God has called you to be. It even happened to Jesus. Our Mondays are going to feel like that sometimes. And the devil says, look man, you are the bread of life. Sure, maybe I know that, I don't know, but you can turn these stones to bread surely. And Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So bread is not only just Jesus, it also is revelation. It also is this word that we can look up and get this fresh, buttery roll straight from heaven when we need it the most. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert and what did the devil do? Oh yeah, this is my, this is my chance. Why is it hard sometimes to figure out what God is doing, what the enemy is doing, which way we should go? Because their tactics look very similar, but their purposes are very different. The Holy Spirit led them into the desert. The Holy Spirit led them into the desert. The enemy was there. So that he could destroy them. Why did the Holy Spirit, why did God lead him there? So that he could be broken and multiplied. You see, 
it's just a different perspective of the same picture. We can look at all the stuff that we've been through, and this is surely the enemy is trying to destroy this church. This is why I'm not, I'm not afraid of conspiracy theories. Like, bring them on. You know what I mean? Like, because apparently when things are broken, life comes out and they're multiplied. Children are born from the egg splitting and splitting and splitting and splitting. We are so afraid of destruction, afraid of the power of the enemy, that we don't realize they have the same perspective on a similar circumstance. A, a different perspective on the same circumstance. The enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. Make no bones about what his purpose is or what his plans are. But Jesus said, I am here that you may have life and life more abundantly. We embrace the things that happen because we know that life comes from what is broken. When I was a kid, my family would, you know, it was too many of us, you know, it was seven of us, six boys and one girl, and my mom was a single mother at the time. We would go to this church, and the churches would always give us food out of the food bank, you know what I'm saying? But it was the food that nobody wanted, so it was like old, moldy a lot of times. And I got two principles from that. I got one, that when you give to the poor, do not give them anything you don't want. That makes no sense whatsoever as believers. We're like, here's this old thing I'm going to give to you that I don't even want. Think what, what, what happens, how pleased it makes God when you give him something excellent that you desire yourself. That's one principle that we're going to be gathering around, is that we give our best. Secondly is how long the church can survive on old bread. Old revelation, old rituals, old teaching, old things that we got a long time ago. And he said, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every day there's something fresh, new. God is, Jesus is holding a piece of himself up to us. It's fresh bread for us to take a part of it. Many times we're saying, ah, that's all right, I'm going to go get the thing that I'm familiar with. The old thing that doesn't really taste very good. No, for sure, I ain't got no butter on it. You know what I'm saying? Butter on the bread? It's more bread? It's amazing. You know for sure that it doesn't taste good, but it's familiar. We know how to pursue that thing that God told us to do a long time ago. But what about the fresh bread? And Jesus saying that, for I have come down from heaven, in verse 38, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Jesus made sure that all of the pieces were gathered into baskets, just as he's gathering us up. I become hungry so I can understand who the bread of life is, because my true food is to do the will of the Father. It's amazing. Like down from heaven comes this manna to feed all these 
Israelites. And Jesus says, I'm actually the true bread. You know what's crazy about that man is it only lasted one day. They couldn't collect more and keep it for the next day. They had to depend every single day on God. We have savings accounts so we don't have to do that. We have plans so we don't have to do that. We have all these mechanisms that are made up. Sometimes even we pray things to God that will eliminate our need for Him. You know what? He's never going to answer that prayer. <laughs> will you just give me this thing, God, so I don't need you anymore? It's like, nah, I'm good. I'm trying to teach you something here. I'm trying to learn you something here. Exactly what his will looks like. That we can walk in the midst of it and actually be sustained on the will of God. Sometimes we gotta yell at him, sometimes we gotta have a tough conversation with the Lord, but it's essential that we understand he is always has something for us that he's given of himself. And as we eat this bread, then we begin to abide with Jesus. That doesn't make sense. This week, read the whole chapter, if you get a chance, of John. And there's some very hard things to swallow in there, particularly eat my flesh and drink my blood. For you can't